What's up, guys? Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week, we'll cover the topics most important to you, from marketing and selling your products to winning on social media and everything in between. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a full-time content creator running FixThisBuildThat.com, and my co-host, John Malecki, runs a full-time furniture company and his content site, JohnMalecki.com. Over the past few years, we've seen the value of bouncing ideas back and forth, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 12. Today, we're going to go on to our second part of the pricing series. We're going to be talking about the nuts and the bolts, the down and the dirty, how to come up with a price for your products. We're going to walk you through several methods and give you some of the pros and the cons of each one and help you price your products better. What is up, John? Uh, not much, man. I am fired up for this. Um, we've got some serious meat coming in today's episode. And as most people who know me know, I am hungry 24-7. So tonight, the big dog is going to eat. <laughs> Love it. Yes, we are into the meat of our content sandwich. This is what everybody's been waiting for. So it, definitely excited for the episode. Before we get started, we would like to thank our new patrons over there to the New members to the MFP tribe over at patreon.com forward slash made for profit. These fine fellows are going to be able to enjoy the after show uh, as well as all prior after shows. And there's some other cool rewards. If you'd like to be part of that, you can head over there and check it out. Uh, But this week we added Jason Moore, Matt Ketty and Adam Wallace. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, Look forward to hanging out with you over there on the Patreon site. All right, John, what you been doing this week, brother? Big week for me, big week for the business. Um, I actually hired an employee. It's the first actual employee I've had nice. um, since since I started my business. Um, I, I did have a, a gentleman working in the shop this past winter, and that was a learning experience for sure. Um, but got over the bumps and bruises of that and the learning curve. And uh, yeah, we're all set up now, and I'm and I'm pumped. It's it's nice to have some of the processes and plans that I've been putting in place for a few years now um, being implemented by somebody else very quickly. So, um, yeah, stoked um, and excited, man. Excellent. Excellent. Actually, that, that's kind of cool because I think that'll come up as an interesting conversation that we didn't talk about before the show. But, uh, you know, employees versus yourself. So that'll be cool to, to work into the conversation. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, um, so, yeah. So this week I have been uh, enjoying my first partial week. Uh, we're here recording on a Tuesday. Uh, so my kids are finally in school. I talked about that. My youngest had her first day of kindergarten, full day on Monday, and uh, that was awesome. Uh, but lots of, man, Monday was huge. We had her first day. Then uh, right after that, I went over. There was a Home Depot, uh, an event with Rigid over at the Home Depot. My local yeah. Home Depot had uh, several folks come over from uh, from Instagram that I knew that was really awesome. Got to hang out with them. And then uh, afterwards, we did a local meetup and we had even more folks come out there. I think we ended up having uh, maybe 20, 20 plus um, attendees at the meetup. It was pretty awesome and got to meet some new folks there. So for all those folks that were there, thank you very much for coming. I had a blast. It was great. Good time. Um, and now again today, getting back into the shop, I actually went out into the shop and uh, moved some wood around. I didn't cut oh it. I moved it. I did. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to move this over here to check some things out. But I am I am ready to sling some sawdust. I've still been doing a lot of back end uh, things to just get ready. But I'm like chomping at the bit. So speaking of chomping at the bit, 
this pricing, man, these folks, it was like, what, episode one, right? They're like, oh, made for pro. I guess it was episode three since we laid down three at the beginning. That was like the first yeah. thing. Hey, n- next episode, pricing. Yeah. Slow down. <laughs> We've been getting a ton of requests for this. And it's, 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 I think it might be my um, most requested subject on any time I'm talking business in the shop. And I know uh, since we've launched um, the made for profit social platforms, we've gotten tons and tons of questions about it. So I'm glad we're finally getting into the meat of it, um, providing you guys with some quality information here. Brad and I have really jumped into a lot of conversation together to get you guys the best possible content possible uh, dealing with this. But um, we will definitely have a very, very solid playbook for you guys after we release all three episodes. So make sure that you're signing up for our email list. And uh, if you're interested in getting that, because that's going to be really where the home run is and all of the, uh, yeah. I guess, all the tangible information is. Yeah, um, we'll package it's, it's, it up there nice and tight. Yeah, it's hard to convey verbally a lot of the stuff that goes yeah. into all the numbers and stuff inside of it. So, so yeah, um, I guess let's get started, man. The uh, Absolutely, dude. Let's get into it jump into it. So, you know, last week we, we talked a little bit about the, um, the matrix we developed, uh, quality and price matrix that is. And, uh, you know, that's, that's something that you brought to my attention that obviously I was already thinking about, but I didn't think about it in terms of a graph. Um, and, and leading into this week, uh, it's, it's something that you definitely want to keep at top of mind, I guess, getting into it. Uh, first, first thing, first part of pricing we want to really talk about is, is market-based pricing. Um, and this is something that, Brad brought to my attention that I was once again doing. So Brad having a formal education in pricing and myself <laughs> having more of a run and gun, throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks <laughs> education in pricing um, is actually what this concept is called. It works and well, this, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and essentially um, getting into market-based pricing is basing your prices based on what other people are charging. Um, and it's most general concept. And, uh, and, and it's, it's another part of the pricing strategy you always want to be thinking about. Um, and everything else will kind of lead into that. So, I mean, I guess, yeah. I guess going to basics, Brad, what do you think? Uh, you yeah. start out where I, I think, to, yeah, I think this really, I, I like the idea of market-based pricing in, and not only of just setting prices using market-based pricing, but using that matrix that John talked about. And I think the market-based pricing and the matrix is the overlay for this entire conversation. So no matter what pricing strategy you use personally, um, you always have to keep the market in mind and you have to know, are you getting too far, you know, where do you stand along that along that line. So are you too far up it? Uh, you know, are you past the highest price person? Or are you below the lowest price person? So I think the market-based pricing, when, like you said, John, you know, how the, the basics are, okay, you go out and look at the competition of who is selling products that you are making um, or that you want to make. And what are the ranges of those products? And what you want to do on this one is be very specific. You want to get products that are very, very similar to yours. Uh, so if you're out there, um, looking to make tables, uh, you want to find somebody who's using similar materials, similar, similar methods, um, so that you can really get a good feel for it and then look across. Because uh, like we talked about in the last episode, differentiation always makes that number fluctuate. So mm-hmm. you, when you're doing this, right, the market, you want to be as specific as you can. Uh, and then you basically hit guardrails. So you can say, okay, the lowest guy in my area or, you know, whoever I would consider my competition is selling tables for $300. The highest guy is selling them for $750. So now all of a sudden I've got these guardrails and I can say, okay, I think I want to be somewhere in between $300 and $750. And then you might start to do a little bit more research about that quality, get a little bit more of the nits and the nats of 
what's exactly included in that. And, you know, does that include delivery? Does that include, we'll get into some of those other things, but, you know, at the highest level, that's what it is, right? It's just looking at where all your competition lies and what are people currently paying for the similar product. Exactly. And, and I know a lot of us getting started um, are selling more crafty products. Um, could say, you know, <laughs> bottle openers, cutting boards, charcuterie boards, by the way, shark, charcuterie. shark cutlery. Yes, yeah. I love shark cutlery. That's my new favorite emoji. It's the shark and then the knife. <laughs> They're like, what is this shark and the knife? I'm like, shark cutlery, man. Come on, dude. <laughs> Again, hashtag it. Hashtag it. So, <laughs> um, but when it comes to the craftier products, it you're going to be pretty much stuck in that market pricing solely based on uh, the amount of product available to the market. So um, those are going to be the easier products to get a gauge of what a, what the market might be. You can do a very easy Google or Etsy search um, and find comparable product to what you're selling and then justify your price point based on that. What the what this also does is it gives you an idea of where you want to be. So say you're making pens and it takes you an hour. I'm, I'm highballing, never made a pen, but I know Pachuto did one like three minutes, but uh, <laughs> you right. highball, um, highballing say it takes you an hour to make a pen. So you want your, you want to sell these pens for 50 bucks a pop. You go online, you see that, you know, very comparable pens with the same hardware and woods are selling for 30. So you know that one, you're going to be at the high end of that market and it's going to make it you know, a little bit more difficult to sell your product competing with the others solely based on price. Now we preach the differentiation point, but putting that aside, your brand, none of that is mattering when it comes to this market-based price model concept thing we're going over right now. What you want to look at is, okay, X person is selling my pen at $30 per pen. I know my fixed costs going into it are the hardware and the wood. Everything else you're you're flexible on because you're just going to base your price on what the market's selling for. So you got to get faster at production is essentially what all of that boils down to. And what this does is it helps you get better at what you're producing, especially in these um, batched out product types. So if the market's saying 30 and you've only made one, well, if you made 50 and you made them in 10 minutes instead of in one hour – now you can see how that price is going to come down naturally for you and where you can compete in that market. And it gives you a sense of, you know, why items might be priced specifically in those certain price ranges. You know, when you when you look at something and you're like, wow, how can I possibly compete there? You you break the product down and work backwards and then you look at it and go, you know, oh, they're using X, you know, X hardwood and they're only doing X joinery and they're only doing so and so things. And that's why their price point so low. Or they're getting it from China and just marking it up and reselling it. But right. <laughs> you know, but but that once you can start to gauge the market, you can see the different price points and, and where the entry levels are for certain products. I mean, if someone's claiming that they're selling a, a product that you're making out of, you know, a cheaper wood or something that's more domestic and available and they're using a very exotic um, import and their price points at the same spot, something's wrong. And you'll know that from studying the market and seeing, you know, where, where, where items similar to what you're doing are priced. And as Brad said, you do have to jump into market research. You do have to go and learn what other people are selling your stuff for in order to compete. And, and also in order not to be ignorant, you don't want to come, you know, trying to sell something for $500 that 
no one else is coming anywhere close to because the market just isn't there for it. Um, and, and, you know, you don't want to offend your client as well. So, right. Um, so I think that the thing about that, John, about the, um, so there's, there's two things because I did exactly what you said. And when I started doing cutting boards, uh, mm-hmm. and I was selling some cutting boards over on Etsy and like, if you look like the price range is ridiculous. Absurd. I mean, it's like, it goes from, and like for the same it. stuff, <laughs> for the same stuff. Yeah. I mean, I see, mm-hmm. Guys down at, at 30 bucks, you know, for a, for a 10 by 16 cutting board made out of cherry and walnut. It's like, I, like how, wow. I don't even know how that makes sense. And so <laughs> there's part of it, like you said, I think that some people like don't value their time. But then the other thing is, so you also have to know, you know, okay, I'm going to throw those out. But I think the other part, uh, and I don't think we really talked about this, John, but a differentiation point um, that you can command and be higher up that scale, even though it's the same product, is the presentation so the pictures are huge. Like you could have a cutting board on Etsy, the exact same cutting board. I could list it for 50 bucks with a junky picture off my old LG G2X, you know, cell phone. Wow. And I know I just went there, man, you know, in a, in a 40 wow. watt bulb and it would not sell. I'm going to no. have the same exact cutting board. Go take it with my my Canon. 70d with a nice 1.8 with some bokeh on there and awesome Mm -hmm. lighting and i could sell it for 100 bucks so Mm -hmm. i think that uh that is definitely a key thing so when you're taking these market prices um look at their presentation look at you know how professional does it look and and just know that you can force yourself higher up that scale um on the internet right so if it's something that if you're at a craft show that's completely different because you know they're going to pick it up they're going to feel it they're going to touch it um but in the internet game, man, presentation is so, so important. And you need to factor that in uh, when you're looking at other people's work too. Yeah. Uh, a lot of those brands will do uh, value adds to their product as well. So, I mean, you'll get a couple stickers, you'll get, you know, uh, who knows what other little, some board you know, butter. Like, yep. Some, some stuff like that. And, and those little value adds are little ways to jump your price point up too. So when these are all things you need to be discovering in your market research, um, before you, you start moving product. Um, and, and, and that'll give you a great gauge of, you know, where you need to be. And it also lets you, um, reverse engineer the process. And this is a, this is a way I um, particularly work. And I think a lot of us work cause we're all, you know, makers and building stuff is, How can you, when you want to make something, we look at how we can take it apart and redo it, right? So you want to do the same thing with your pricing strategy. If you're looking at a, you know, a product and you want to be very similar to that price, well, how did they get there? They're going to have multiple aspects of that price point um, dictating why it's sitting in that certain range. So everything from, like Brad said, to the materials, to the packaging, to are they paying for professional photography? You know, are they shooting it themselves? Like those are things that go into the cost of goods when it comes to huge retailers. A lot of us smaller guys don't really take into consideration, but there are factors that need to be going into it. So right. think about that. Also, think about the scale of the company. If a company is, you know, squeezing um, squeezing prices below where you're trying to sell – and everything seems to be super high end and you're noticing that they have a hundred available. Well, they're beating you on quantity and you can't compete there with them anyway. So that's kind of on an outlier standpoint from the market strategy is that don't walk into West Elm and try to price your coffee tables based on what they're selling because you're never going to be able to touch the prices that they're getting on wholesale um, for their mango wood steel tables. And I know this 
because I get a ton of clients that send me their mango wood and steel <laughs> tables that are looking for something similar that I can't come close to the price. But I also understand that, you know, the way retail works is almost you're, you're, they're marking those up a hundred percent per, you know, per transaction buyer or wherever it's coming from. So, you know, if they're selling something for a thousand bucks, they bought it for 500 and that was sold to that distributor for 250. So like they're getting stuff dirt, dirt cheap and destroying you on uh, production volume. So understand that when you're getting into the market um, and, 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 and doing your market research and, and don't be, I guess, don't be scared of it, but just realize that that's something that's out there that you gotta, you gotta deal with. So um, I guess the next, the next part of the pricing strategy. And the reason we touched on the market first is because once you have a grasp and understanding for it, you can really lead into those little parts of reverse engineering it and understanding why things are priced a certain way. Um, so, I mean, I'll let, you know what, Brad, I let you touch on this first because I could go on for hours cause I'm actually selling products, but I don't want to squeeze you out of it. So Ooh, coming from ouch, your back, ouch, man, ouch. You're like, uh, I'm hey, actually hey. selling products. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't want to hog. Well, excuse me, I'm selling hard products. Brad sells yes. digital products. Uh, and, um, no, man, dude, I, I sold a cutting board just six months ago. I mean, come dude, on. Like, no, actually he sold, <laughs> that was actually a killer sale. Uh, the marketing tactics there were awesome. And it went to an account I was following, but, um, I know. no, no, coming from a corporate standpoint, you have a different, you have a much firmer understanding of the numbers when it comes to, um, I mean, I guess let's jump next into markup and margin when it comes to yeah. markup and margin, you know, where do you need to be? Where's your mind need to be? Cause I know a lot of people get this confused and it was something that took me a little bit of time to understand as well. Absolutely. When you talk about, um, a business. So this is, I think, one of the things John and I will hit on pretty hard during this episode is, do you consider yourself a business or are you making for extra money, right? So as you look Mm -hmm. at this, if you are considering yourself a business, if you are running for-profit business, then you need to think of yourself as a business. And businesses operate on markup and margin. And so those are two terms that uh, you might not be familiar with, so we'll just give you the kind of down and dirty. Markup is basically the percentage between the actual cost, and this, I I think we actually got this from like Wikipedia, Um, the actual, this percentage difference between the actual cost of what you're selling to the actual selling price. So if I had $50 in cost, and that's not, material cost that's everything that's that's kind of and we'll talk about that more but it's material labor some other things in there um if you have fifty dollars in it and you sell it for a hundred that's a hundred percent markup mm-hmm. okay now the reverse what you'll also hear is margin and that's big that's what we talked about in corporate retail more uh in the businesses that i was in is is gross margin uh and then you know you can really walk it down so if you've ever been into an accounting class you know you got gross margin you got operating margin, you've got net margin, you've got all these things. Um, but margin is basically the the percentage difference between what you sold it for and then what your actual uh, profit, it's it's basically the profit percentage of, of the total. So when you look at that, it's two ways to think about it. Typically markup's gonna be a higher number because you're going from cost and going up and margins gonna typically be a lower number because you're saying, okay, what was the profit I made uh, divided by the total selling price? And that would be yes. your margin. So we'll talk about those two. Um, uh, we're going to mainly talk about margin because I think that's what John uses. And also that's, you know, when I look at things, that's the way that I look at it. Um, but you can use both of those in different instances. Uh, and I think the cool thing about, so we'll get into it, is just the cost-based pricing 
is what you need to understand is that it is an equation. And John's talked about it, you know, reverse engineering. That's where he's getting at is that this is an equation that you can engineer. And the two biggest uh, components are cost of goods, right? And that's mm-hmm. going to be your materials uh, and and then your labor, which, yes. and some people call that, you know, time and material, right? And that's that's also a kind of a different, we'll talk about that as well, um, but that's kind of a different thing. So John, for you, why don't you hit like your strategy of, of cost-based and we'll kind of talk through that and then talk about some of the other things I know that we hear people um, pricing with, but what's your cost-based buildup of how do you price I don't know. Why don't we grab an example? Just take one of your products, a, a table or whatever it is, and and kind of go hit the cost based idea. Not the exact dollars, but just how do how do you do it? So, um, in in its simplest form, uh, and we'll keep this as simple as possible, so so it's easily consumable. You want to be able to use um, what you have fixed to your advantage. That's going to be things like your raw materials. You know exactly what they cost when you purchase them, and they're not things that are going to fluctuate. So um, for an example's sake, say we're going into building a um, – we'll do a multi-material project so then we can get a couple different things here. We're doing a metal and wood coffee table, okay? And it's going to be finished with – my favorite finish – we'll go with uh, general finishes and Durovar. little plug there. But I know going into it, my wood cost is going to be – hundred bucks. My metal cost is going to be 50 bucks. Okay. The finish is another hard good that goes into the price of my product. Now this might differ. This might be different for other people. This is just how I do it. Um, and I know I'm not going to use a whole gallon. So let's say it's another right. 40 bucks, 40% of a can, which it is a hundred dollars a gallon. So at that, I have $190 in, um, hard product for, Hard mater- raw materials, excuse me, for this build. Okay, so calculator in front of me, 190. Okay, I'm gonna take that, and generally, um, you want to build a buffer of 10 to 25 percent, depending on what you're comfortable with in material cost for waste and for uh, just bad, you know, bad materials. You right. buy stuff, you buy stuff that gets delivered, it, it breaks or whatever. Yeah, cutting around um, knots and doing whatever, and 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 all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, build 10% in, and then we'll get that, uh, that that would be roughly $210, okay? So it's actually $19 is 10%. I, I do know how to do math. So we got 210 <laughs> there, right? The next factor going into it is going to be your labor cost. Now, what people have the biggest issue with, I've noticed, in our space is estimating labor costs. Now, guys and girls, this is not as hard as people make it out to be. There's a lot of different strategies on it, but... Think about how corporate America works on a nine to five, okay? If you're paid X wage and you're on a line producing a product for that wage for eight hours a day, that cost for your wage goes into the pricing model for that product. So do the same thing with your own stuff and just use an estimate. If you're building a coffee table, it's going to take you a week. That's five days. You work eight hour days. That's 40 hours. You think it's going to take you maybe six Add that other eight in. So you got 48 hours. Now next comes the labor rate. I um, typically charge, depending on where it's at, anywhere from 35 to 100. And I have way different reasonings for that. But that's going to depend on the type of work that I'm doing and the amount of time it's going to take me to turn around. So 
we'll go with a simple number like 25. You're at 48 hours, okay? That's $1,200 in labor alone. Now, this is where people really get like, oh my God, $1,200 in labor. And then they're, they're thinking that that product is already completely overpriced. Well, here's the thing. What do you actually value your time at? Because a lot of us don't really value our time anywhere close to what it's actually right. should be. Who started a business and wants to work minimum wage? Right? None of us. So when you're figuring out your labor cost, please, please, please sit down with yourself and have some real <laughs> self-talk and figure out what you truly believe your time is worth and then work to get to that price. Um, I yeah. think that's a huge issue with it. I like that, Jai. Like, I really like what you said there because I think working to get to that price that uh, – because what's going to happen is there's there's two things going on. You just love your example. So 48 hours – well, if you're new, maybe it does take you 48 hours. And then mm-hmm. so because you're going to kind of price yourself out. So going back to that market strategy, if you add that all up, you did the 1200 plus the 210. So now we're up to 1410 before markup, right? Yes. Which are before margin, which you're going to talk about in just a second. So you can price yourself out if the highest coffee table is selling for 800 in your area. Well, guess what? You've got to reduce that. You've already talked about you can't really reduce your wood, but you can get faster. So how do you get from 48 hours down to 30 hours, down to 25 hours? And that um, if you have a plan, and and I really like what you said there about uh, striving to get to that number because uh, you might not be there, right? So if you say, hey, man, I want to be 25 bucks an hour is what I value my time at. But maybe as I start out, I'm at 10 or I'm Mm -hmm. at 8. But I've got line of sight that I can I know how, oh, I've built this table now three times, five times, ten times, and I'm going to get shortcuts and I'm going to batch and I'm going to do all these things that that's how you can, you know, basically leverage your time and, and leverage a higher rate for yourself by doing it faster. Exactly. And, and because you understand the market and you know what that top price essentially is for selling this product. You're going to be able to say, hey, $1,500 is the top of what I can sell this metal and wood coffee table we're figuratively building for. Okay, so as of right now, if it takes me 48 hours, a.k.a. six days at eight hours a day, I'm already at $1,410 of cost of goods sold. I include labor rate into my cost of goods sold because when you get into your accounting, it actually just keeps it much simpler um, if you're doing this type of work and that's my opinion, hire an accountant. Don't, I mean, you don't have to do anything like that. Um, if you don't want to, but for me, I know that my wages going out of pocket for expenses towards product are part of that cost. And then it also, it, so it clearly delineates the profit for me. So that being said, a lot of us are very content with selling that coffee table for $1,410. Am I not right, Brad? Right. Yeah. Right. So, and, and there's, they break even or they just get their hour, the hourly rate. They break even exactly. on materials and then you're just like, sweet, man, I just made 25 bucks an hour. What's right. wrong with and, that? And, and you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. But who paid for the saw blades? Who paid for the maintenance on all of your tools? Who paid for you to drive back and forth to pick up all the wood and deliver it? Who paid for everything else that goes into this product? Oh, yeah. S, G, and A. Yeah. <laughs> Selling general and administrative overhead. Yes. Overhead. Overhead is what a lot of us struggle to understand when it comes to operating a business. And this is the biggest, biggest takeaway I can give you guys from pricing is that understand 
It's for the business. It's not for your labor rate. If I wanted to make $25 an hour, I would go work for somebody else for a nine to five and then go home and do whatever I wanted in my free time. I would not work 16 hours a day in order to build a business because that is not how you build a business. So understand that when you're getting into it because that is a huge, huge issue I feel like in our space is that a lot of people aren't realizing that they're not running businesses. They are just literally working for themselves at a labor rate. So now that I'm, you know, take a deep breath there. I get fired up about that because we're, you guys are worth more. Like, trust me here. You're worth more than that. And, and you're worth to educate yourself on understanding what, you know, what markup and margin actually mean and, and why this is so important. And you have to understand that all of the other expenses that go into operating your business, everything from insurance to the tires on your truck, to that blade in your saw, to that, you know, $2 bottle of pop you bought one of your employees goes into the business expense and the operations expense of the business. It's not coming out of your pocket. Because if you think about it and you start paying for that stuff with your labor rate, well, that's actually taking money out of your pocket and your labor rate. So so margin works on a percentage basis. I'm a huge advocate on trying to run your business on a 40% margin. If you're running it on anything lower, you're gonna have a very, very, very high tendency of failure. And that is based on um, what I've done research with, what I've learned through coaching, and what I understand the construction and trade industries operate on. Because it's so expensive to operate, you have to be able to pay a large amount of expense from that margin that you're getting on your product sales. So realizing that like keeping your lights on, keeping your shop heated, all that stuff, I mean, we could build a mountain of what goes into yeah, operating. You, know? so, you haven't even talked about digital either. You know, it's nah, like the website, oh, no. hosting, oh, oh. And <laughs> all of the subscription services and email, you know, all exactly. of it. Exactly. Exactly. And so um, margin is a percentage between the actual cost and the selling price of your product. So operating on that 40% margin, you can either take the selling price of the product and divide it by the percentage of margin and that'll give you your final sale price. So um, we take this 1410 here, divide it by uh, 0.6, correct? Yep. I do the multiplication, and that'll give you your final sale price of 2350 know, Ridiculous, right? Huge increase. So and, and a lot of us don't realize, wow, that's actually what I should be selling this product for. Well, yeah, guys, because when we think about it, how are you going to operate a business if your business isn't making any money? <laughs> right. Like it's, exactly. It's, it's, it's a no brainer once you learn it. So I think that, well, I like what, and just, just in case any of you guys missed that. So he, he did it just because I was saying that's, uh, the, the division. So you can also multiply that by the 1.67, right, John, which is, I think what you do, which is, but just yeah. to show you where that comes from. So you basically multiply it by, uh, the, the inverse, you know, so you do one minus your point six, or excuse me, one minus your point four, which is your point six. And so if you divide it, right. So if your margin was 30%, you would divide by point seven. Um, and there's other factors there. Uh, and yes. so that's that, that markup. But the, the thing that I really, uh, like about bringing it around, John. So talk. So okay, he just did it in, in 2,300 bucks, and you're like, okay, well, John just said the top of market is 1,500. So where's so now? The what I realize is I'm out of the range of my market. So I need to do something to bring myself back in. And mm-hmm. you can, uh, you know, reverse engineer, like John said, and you can actually do the math to find out how many. Okay, because I know how much material I have, and I know. 
you know, what my finish is and my metal and all that. And then you can actually calculate to say, okay, if I wanted to sell it for $1,500, how many hours would I have to put in at $25 an hour? So you can kind of play with that. You could bring down the hours and you could bring down the hourly rate uh, and, and basically fine tune that to say, okay, what would it take me to get to 1500? Uh, the other side of it is you can try to push your top end. You can say, okay, well, the top ends at 15, uh, I'm going to get super awesome photos and you know, whatever. Uh, of course, all that costs money. So if you're paying a mm-hmm. photographer or if you're doing it yourself, um, you know, there's, there's a lot tied into that, but you can go both ways. So you can build it up from the bottom and, and John talked about reverse engineering it and kind of hacking it backwards. You can do the same thing and find out where you need to cut your variable costs and, you know, labor rate being the largest one of those. Um, if you get something also that uh, if you get a larger project, uh, you might start getting into the point where, you know, how can I cut co- or if you're using expensive materials, there might be some other things there. So material is a fixed cost, but how you use the material most efficiently, um, you can reduce that there. So I think there's a lot of, you know, as you, as you just sit back and think about that, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to bucket my hours and we're going back to the time management. We told you to track your hours. So hopefully you've got that down for your products. You know how much time it takes you. Now, you know how much material, you know, do that math, run that equation and see what you come up with and then roll that back against your quality versus price matrix and see, you know, where are you falling? And are you in a sweet spot? And, you know, maybe you're too low and that, that'd be awesome. And you can push it up on there and you could go and say, because the 40% is great. Um, it, but if you can do it faster and if the market allows, like, so if you, let's just say they did that whole math, John, and you said 2,300, let's just say it's the market for coffee tables tops out at three grand. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? If you're costing there, there's nothing to say that, you know, saying that you want to hit 40%, that's a minimum. Like if you could sell it for 2750 bank, go for it. And then all By of a sudden you're, yeah, you're up at a 55% margin, whatever. Um, and so I really like that idea of being able to break it down. Cause I think that's what a lot of people, uh, are looking for, right. Is, is they're saying, you know, how, I don't know how to calculate it. Like though, that's it. John just laid it out for you. Those are the numbers you need to grab and throw them in there. Uh, you know, play with your labor rate. And we would highly recommend John just showed me the keys to the kingdom a, a minute ago before we started his spreadsheet. I was so proud. Um, <laughs> I'm, at, I, I'm so sorry, though. I have 12 font and it's not 11. So. It's 11. <laughs> but yeah, do that. Set that up. Set the spreadsheet up. Uh, if you're not, you know, you should go to Google Sheets. If you don't have Excel, you can go to Google Sheets, do it there. Um, and, and it's it's easy that way. So, John, what I hear a lot of people do, though, uh, say is they say, oh, well, I do time and material. So they'll say, uh, I, you know, I want 25 bucks an hour and then um, I I mark it up or they'll say material plus two. Right. So they'll say I, I just double my material. And so they don't mark up the labor rate. Um, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Have you ever done that in the past before you figured this out with your coaching, your business coaching and getting to where you're at? Have you run on that model before? Um, I have, and it was unfortunate. So I've built and designed (laughs) an entire restaurant, um, from the ground up, everything from the 3d modeling all the way through the finished build and, um, all the sourcing and everything that went into this entire restaurant. And it was an, an unbelievable learning experience for me, way, way bigger undertaking than I thought it would be. But, um, 
I learned a ton and, and time and materials is a very interesting topic and you hear it because it's easy. It's easy to just go, oh, that'll take me three days. Um, my labor rate's 50 bucks an hour. You know, I'm looking at three 10 hour days. It's 30 hours. That's uh, six grand, you know, like, excuse me, that's three grand and um, it's going to be $2,000 material. I'll charge you 5,000 bucks. You've just literally squeezed yourself into like the tightest situation. One, your materials can be way over two grand if a problem occurs on site. Two, you give yourself no buffer for price fluctuation in the market for your materials. Three, what if it takes you longer? <laughs> Four, what if you have to sub something out? Five, what if something happens on the job site that's out of your control? You know, there's like so many factors that can go into that. So I am very, very weary of time and materials for multiple reasons. Um, and, and it's it's solely based on that. You can very I'm not a pro at it and I don't know it very well. And that's why there's you know, that, that, that's why there's coaches and, and that's why there's um, resources out there for that type of modeling contractors, especially. I know it is very difficult. And like there's. There's applications that are anywhere from 500 to like $2,000 in order to break down costs for jobs and construction because it should be that detailed and can be that complicated. I've, I've talked to contractors who have gotten squeezed for light bulbs and switch covers for thousands of dollars they didn't have budgeted <laughs> because it wasn't pre-negotiated. So there's so many little things that can go into quote unquote that materials category that can crush you. So if you don't have your scope of work crystal clear lined out before a project in which you're doing time and materials, you can really get burned. And on top of it, always going to be a little more fluctuation in time. Um, and on, along the same lines, I mean, let's talk about a day rate. A lot of guys and girls out there suggest day rates. Um, and I'm, yeah, I don't know, I'm indifferent. Um, for me, the concept of a day rate, I think, is great in getting you to think along the right path. I mean, obviously, I price my projects based on hourly, but they're more or less half a day, full day. I just know my hourly rate and base it off of an eight-hour day. Um, and that's how I was able to build a system in order to hire an employee. Because he's working an eight-hour day, I can now, you know, I now I know my pricing based on products that he's able to create um, because my model fit that, you know, that structure. So using the day rate concept, just be cognizant of the same stuff Brad and I just touched on. You're operating a business here, guys. You are not out there hustling in order to make a wage. That is a different ball game, and you're better off just working for somebody else. I'll tell you that because you will kill yourself trying to stay afloat. Those operations expenses, operating expenses, excuse me, will bury you in the long term, um, and they're very, very difficult to make up on the back end once you start get once you start getting behind. Um, so, from a day rate standpoint. If you want to come up with a number that's, you know, comfortable for you for a full day, half day on projects, by all means, go ahead. For me, $800, <laughs> excuse me, $400 for a day. Um, it's the same thing as 50 bucks at eight and eight hours a day. So think of it in that those terms, but don't get stuck in them. Um, I've, I've, I'll never quote a client um, immediately solely based on the fact that I don't know all the variable costs going into stuff, and you can you could kill yourself by doing that. Um, time and materials, I, I think it leans more towards that like immediate type quote con conversation solely because it seems so simple when really it's a super complex thing, um, especially yeah. with contact contractors and construction. I mean, they're they're hugely hugely complex. Yeah, and I think the the interesting thing too is that it 
it lends itself. So, you know, John and I are talking through a few things, but what you're going to see here is that you're going to have to apply it to your model because it also matters of what kind of work you do. Is your work very time intensive or is your work very material intensive? Uh, so I, I wrote down just a few examples and I hope these come across well on on uh, the sound. I was going to say the radio on the radio. Ninety seven point nine. Yes. Brad paid for FM. profit FM. <laughs> so so just as an example here. So I, I'm doing the because the one I hear a lot is uh, I do an hourly rate. And then I do and then I double my materials and that. And so they're kind of taking that as a proxy for the markup. So there is some markup there uh, and there is some uh, margin to be had. But but I'm just going to play this out real quickly. So if you have a, a and I probably should have gone higher on the hours, but I didn't. But it, you can do your own math there. Um, so if you had a two hour, if something that's going to take you two hours and we'll just go with the twenty five bucks an hour. So you got fifty bucks and it's going to be one hundred dollars in materials. OK. So if you do the time plus materials, you get the 50 bucks and you double your materials. So at the 200, that's $250. So, okay, I would say using time plus 2x my materials, it's $250 product. Uh, if you go down, interestingly, uh, and say, well, what if we did John's method? And I use two hours, so it's still the 50 bucks, but I add the 100. So I've got $150. Then I multiply that by the 1.67 or divide it. It actually comes in to 250. So it's actually the exact same for that uh, price point. And so I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. So then I said, well, what if it was a more labor intensive project? So let's keep the materials the same at a hundred bucks. Let's, let's take the time up to 10 hours. So now you've got $250 in, in time of labor. And if we double the materials again to 200, that's 450. So you would sell it. So I'd say, okay, using time materials for a high labor rate item is 450. If you knock it down, so here's where the thing comes, is that you're now not marking up your hours. So if you're not marking up your hours and it's a highly labor intensive item, then that's going to reduce your overall right margin. So if you do if if you do the same thing on a markup, uh, that would be $250 in labor, $100 in materials, $350 cost. Uh, and then you do the 1.67, you're up to 583. So what happens is that um, using that model is if you're have something that's a high labor. I'll back away from the numbers for a second. Everybody come on back. <laughs> if you use, <laughs> if you're in something that has lower costs, but a lot of labor, you're going to get a lot higher. Your prices are going to be a lot higher using a margin or markup on your total cost of goods versus just doing time plus material plus two or times two. Right. And then the inverse is true, though, is that if something is taking you very short, but you're using a very expensive material like a like a Wingate or like a Bakoda. So if you had the two hours, but say that you had five hundred dollars in materials, then like if you're doubling your material, all of a sudden you're you're up at a thousand dollar price range uh, versus doing it uh, on the markup. You're up closer to nine hundred without getting to the nitty gritty of the equations. So the reason I say that is look at what you're doing. Um, and do it a couple different ways, like do John's method, do a total markup and a, a 40% margin uh, on your total cost of goods. Then do a time and material, you know, material times two, material times one, and a half, like whatever you do, try that out. Try a couple methods and see where that puts you, uh, because depending upon your product, you know, one might make more sense than the other, honestly, because uh, because of that uh, differentiation between something that's highly labor intensive or something that's using a lot of very expensive materials or that's something that's not using very m much expensive materials at all. Right. So you might be shooting yourself in the foot if you're if your materials don't cost a lot, but you have a lot of time 
you know, timing material is probably not the right one for you if you're doing a material markup to get your to get your overhead covered. Exactly. And and I mean, that is I just think that that is a <laughs> for the reasons you just went over <sighs> tricky, unstable ground. You know, I like to know uh, the number I'm shooting for every single time. Um, and, and there's just too much fluctuation time material. So that's why I tend to stay away from it. But I do agree with Brad. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. If you like to start there and that's something you're comfortable with and you want to work backwards um, and you're comfortable with doing your accounting and bookkeeping and you can look at it and go, oh, you know, I actually operated last month at a 36 percent margin. Like, that's not bad. Cool. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong by using time materials. I'm just telling you what I know. Um, And once again, you know, we are giving you our experience in these situations. By no means are we sitting here telling you you have to do things this way. We just want you to be cognizant of other ways to do them and understand that um, if you're doing any type of pricing and you want to operate a business, that you have to have that business first in order right. for it to function and operate well. I think, like I, like we were saying, that, that takeaway being the business has to make money in order for it to operate it, or it's going to, or you're going to put yourself behind from day one. And, and I think that's a big thing that a lot of people miss on. Um, go, so going back to what Brad was saying and what I touched on briefly is we started out with the market-based pricing because once you understand the numbers behind it, you can see where the market's at. Brad touched on, you know, is the market top of the market uh, for this coffee table $2,000? Is it $3,000? Is it $1,500? And and once you understand where you're falling in there, that's where you need to really look at how your production process is and where you can improve on it. Is your labor rate too high? Are you taking too much time? Are Are you buying your materials for too much? I mean, it's a fixed cost, yes, but if you're paying $5 a board foot for something you can get for $250, crazy, but you just cut that cost in half. Like, so these are things that you should be thinking about when pricing your products. Are you, you know, because we're all using similar materials here and we'll just stick with wood, you know, if you buy wood in bulk, you get better pricing. Like that's <laughs> something yep. that comes with it. If you get it, Great skip, example. Plane, skip plane to roughs on versus S4S. I mean, like those are price variations and things, but also they're time variations and things. If you're going to pick up your materials every single time you're building something, you need to be factoring that time into your price. You also need to be factoring design time into your price. You also need to be factoring delivery time into your price. Right. You also need to be factoring (laughs) cost of delivery and installation time into your price. So I think everyone can see that the way you think about pricing is not solely time in the shop, how much did that piece of wood cost? Because that is, it's oversimplifying something that if you want to run a business is much, much, much more complex. And uh, and we will have a, a more in-depth, I guess, uh, guideline in our playbook for this stuff. Yeah. But, but like, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have that example. We'll have the examples too, right? We'll have some out there so that mm-hmm. all those people that just, you know, like their heads just hit their keyboards or their workbenches or wherever they're They're like, what did Brad just say? Brad, Brad. <laughs> we'll have it all laid out. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I just, I, I went too deep. I, th- I thought I could make it uh, nice and easy. I, I know I went too deep there. My bad guys. Um, and so I think what we want to do is, is the, the last thing, John, I think we should keystone with our capstone with is that um, 
the most important thing to remember, and, and we didn't necessarily hit it on the matrix and the market-based, um, but I know, you know we were talking about it earlier before the call, is that the market, no, no matter what you, so you can do all the equation, you can do all the math to get your pricing wherever you want it, wherever you feel comfortable with it, but the price that you're gonna can sell something for is the price the market will bear. And mm-hmm. it's the price somebody will pay for it. So it's just like, you know, the housing market is like the most perfect example of that. So you can use the square footage. You can use the the comps. You can do all these things to figure it out. But guess what? When you put that house on the market and you think, you know, it's like, I think this house is worth $250,000 because I did all this. Ma- well, and then it goes and nobody buys it. Well, guess what? And then you got to cut your prices or you put it at 250 and you have a bidding war of 12 people coming in. Right. And it's like, oh, well, maybe I underpriced that. So think about it the same way. I was, I was actually talking to... Um, to, to Lizzie from the, the Sawdust Junkies, shout out uh, to talking about pricing during the thing. And she was saying uh, she was making some products and she was talking to me about pricing. It's like, how do I do pricing? And, and she was not using this method at all. But I said, there, there's another easy question to ask yourself. Uh, when you quote people, are any is anybody ever turning you down? Yeah. If nobody's turning you down, your price too low. Exactly. <laughs> you need to raise your prices if you convert every single one. John talked early on about the, you know, the, the inquiries and the funnel down from the 100 to the 20 to the 1. And if you are converting at an extremely high rate, then you are probably priced too low. Conversely, if you are not converting anybody, then you're priced too high. So even if you don't go through this whole matrix in the market, like you can do it based upon your own pricing. And as people inquire and you're giving them pricing, you know, every every inquiry and every uh, customer interaction is another piece of data, right? So use that to hone in and and remember that this is still a customer-based thing and it's all based upon what people are going to pay in the market. Yeah, and you nailed it. The, the, the price you can sell your product at is what the market's going to buy it for at the end of the day. Um, you can do all the math you want. You could do all of the equations and, and all the chaos that you want, but that's that's what it is. It's it's what someone's gonna you know actually give you in exchange for your product. So keep exactly what we've touched on in our first eleven episodes and now twelve is keep people first, client first. If you are trying to bring value to the relationship you have with the individual you're selling to, you're gonna be on the successful end of the transaction. Most of the time, um, and just have a understanding of your pricing strategy and, and, and realize that someone coming to you with a $750 budget for a dining table made out of walnut, you can say no to, and you won't hurt their feelings because you know now that there's no way on this earth that you can hit cost for that type of product because you're doing pricing. You keep that relationship first and just let them know, you know, hey, for this type of material, we're nowhere close. Um, and, and, you know, I'm sorry, but I can't help you. There's nothing wrong with that. And and that is you understanding the market, you understanding your pricing strategy and and you understanding, uh, you know, your client relationship process. And I don't want to I don't want to get into like <laughs> just telling everyone to jack their prices up and run on <laughs> margins and, and, you know, and, and go and punch the world in the face, even though that's what I do every day. You, you need to realize that uh, all of these factors play into it. And there is, you know, a lot that goes into it. So I think this leads right. perfectly into my first and only takeaway for this episode, because I feel it's so important is that 
pricing strategy is not based on a one and done or cookie cutter method. It is a broad spectrum of understanding factors that go into what you're trying to sell, whether it be a product or service. So realize that and realize that by always adjusting and studying um, your pricing method is how you're going to win. It's not going to be an, oh, I got this process figured out. Boom. That's how I price because the markets are going to change. Cost of materials are going to change. Labor rates are going to change. You hire someone, they're at a lower labor rate. You're operating on a different margin. Your production uh, volume goes up. There's all kinds of factors that go into it. So don't get stuck in a one and done cookie cutter method. Uh, that is going to be my biggest takeaway from the, I guess, from the numbers and, and all of the uh, all the meat of the sandwich that we got into today. Because it's <laughs> it, this is not intended to be a hey guys, here's the keys of the kingdom kind of thing. This is a baseline right. for for your for understanding. Exactly. And I, I think that um, you're right on it, John. And the great thing is, uh, so we always used to talk about levers, pulling levers. So when you think about uh, the the different variables in the equation, and so each one's kind of like pulling a lever and you pull this lever and it does one thing, you pull this lever, it does another thing, is that we've told you several things. We told you, you know, your your labor rate, how quickly you do it. So the number of hours, the materials, do you buy it in bulk? Do you buy it, do you buy it uh, you know, value added basically? Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you buy it in the, um, you know, skip planning versus that? And how much is that worth to you? Uh, but also at the, at the same time, um, looking at your construction methods too, because I know I've heard some of the other guys on uh, just specifically some of the other podcasts, the woodworking podcast, is that, um, you know, don't be locked in either. And, and John told it, you know, this is not the end all be all. If somebody comes and they say, well, they want that, they really want that table for 700 bucks, then maybe have a conversation about, okay, well, like, let's, I can't build this to you the way I would normally build it, but I could do, you know, a walnut veneer on an MDF core, you know, whatever it is that there's ways that you can do it. You could do a different joinery. Now, again, do you feel comfortable doing that as a different conversation, right? So, well, instead of doing hand cut mortise and tenon, I'm going to do, uh, you know, something that's much faster and I'm going to do <laughs> dominant. Dominoes. Nah. Uh, okay. <laughs> face, so, face screws. Face screws. Face screws. And so, you know, it's one of those things. And again, staying true to your brand, but there are so many different levers you can pull in this pricing game. And that's the homework that I'll give you is, is sit back and go through. We've talked about it. We've been building up to this and continuing it is hopefully you've got all your times down for some of your your best selling products are the ones that you're most interested in figuring out. Uh, last week we talked about looking at the market and now layer on top of layer on the equation, but do it in a way where you have a lot of variables that you can change. How much, how quickly are you currently making it? Uh, how quickly do you think you can make it in the future? What if you had an order of 10, right? So if you said, well, I can't do you one for 700, but if you can find a friend to get one, you know, and I can make two, then that's going to give me some efficiencies of time and, and I can get the materials for a lower cost because I'm buying twice as much. Uh, you know, think about all those things in those ways that uh, you can change those numbers because almost every single one can be changed uh, in some shape, form or fashion uh, if you really need to hit a number. Um, but, you know, at the same time, the idea would be to try to drive that higher and, and operate on the margins uh, you know, at a 40% margin or whatever your labor rate is and get that where you want it to be. So sit back, really evaluate your current products and do that spreadsheet. And man, we would love, we would love to see some of that. 
Um, oh, yeah. I, I think, like, I don't know. Like, if you guys are maybe in your stories or something, or, or hit us up uh, if you want to throw it on a, a post or a DM and and just say, you know, some some, some of your pricing. And, and man, I, I want to see some photos of some spreadsheets, dude. Like, I don't know about you. That just gets me going. <laughs> well, I mean, that, 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 that might be your thing. But, no, I mean... I, I have spreadsheets for this stuff because I've, I'm with Brad. It is it is important. Give yourself an opportunity to win. Set yourself up, like Brad said. Take the time to develop a good matrix and understand the uh, different levers that are going into your pricing strategy, and then plug those into a spreadsheet so you can resource them. And then every, all this should not be in your head. By the way, you should be able to have this somewhere that you're not having to think about all of it. That you've taken the hour or two to set up a system in order to run like a real business and price your products. And then you can go back in, plug and chug, get the different parts that are going into it. Know what costs are here. What and what this also does is give you an opportunity to look at previous costs on items. You can go back and say, I did a table similar to this. What did I spend? What did it cost? Blah, 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 blah. Um, and then this is how this is all going into tracking time and, and learning how to your business optimally functions. And um, and, and it, it's all going to start with sitting down, <laughs> understanding that market, developing your, your own matrix and, and realizing um, the aspects that are going into your pricing model, getting them on paper and getting yourself a plan. It's crazy how often we like promote uh, creating plans. Plan. But th- yeah. This is this yeah. is something that you know the whole the whole planning. I mean, this is right up there with with what you need to be thinking about. Um, if you want to be operating a real business, it's 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 vitally important. And we didn't even get to touch on pricing any digital product or pricing uh, <laughs> pricing consulting because those are totally different ball games. I mean, this yeah, is absolutely this is deep. God, Deep. what a meaty, what a meaty sandwich! Jeez, oh, <laughs> fail to plan, plan to fail, right? Yep, that's nailed what, it. That's what my old man used to tell me. All right, so anyway, I, th- I think that's been a, a great conversation, and we'll continue the conversation obviously over on Instagram. Uh, so we'll love to hear that, and I'm sure we'll be getting some meaty questions from our patrons, uh, which we will be answering in the after show, just like we're about to answer some questions from our patrons right now. So we have uh, the Made for Profit Tribe over there on Patreon.com, Made for Profit, or excuse me, Patreon.com forward slash Made for Profit. Uh, but also, we are, we just hit, we talked about it last week. We have hit 100 five star reviews over on iTunes. Thank you so much for all your feedback. It really does help us get in front of more people. Uh, and we're also over halfway to our first Patreon goal. And we're going to be doing some exciting things for that. But we told you we're teasing something a little special for the for hitting those 100 five-star reviews. Uh, we have something fun that we're talking about, John and I. So we're not quite ready to drop that. But I think it's going to be it's gonna be fun. And it'll also get you guys engaged. So we're looking forward to that. But right now, we're going to go answer those after-show questions. And uh, man, good, meaty episode, John. Yeah, this is awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm fully consumed on my uh, sandwich here so let's get into this after show i need some milkshake let's crush it man all right (laughs) see you guys in the next episode so thank you guys for checking out the show if you'd like any more information you can head over to madeforprofit.com we'll have our show notes as well as our email list subscription you can sign up for there you'll receive tips of the week as well as all of our other actionable content if you're digging the show we'd love to get a five-star review over on itunes and we would greatly appreciate that if you have any other questions or suggestions you can email us at madeforprofitpodcast at gmail.com we'd love any of your input as well as any of your future show topic suggestions you can hit us up on instagram at madeforprofit where we will be 
answering your questions and giving out tips to help you grow on your own social networks. So once again, we really want to thank you guys for tuning in and we will catch you on the next episode.